And I had, you know, I'd grown up in Christian circles my whole life, and now I was standing on stages representing Christianity and all this. And the most, like, revolutionary, rebellious act I could do was just admit that I had these doubts. And, um, you know, of course, some people freaked out, but there were enough people like this, my, my boss, my parents, actually, they're very conservative Christians, but they loved me through this. They weren't freaked out. Um, had a couple friends who would just walk with me. And so I think step one, for me at least, was admit it. That was Aaron Nequist, author of the brand new book called The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. Uh, Aaron and I talked about, first of all, his experience starting uh, a new kind of church that was based on practices rather than beliefs only. And he writes about that in his book. And he talks about that a little bit in this podcast. And it's so fascinating. And I found myself resonating so deeply with Aaron, his thoughts and his ideas. And uh, I think if you are a person who is interested in diving into a new idea, about following the way of Jesus versus just trying to figure out a way to believe in Jesus in the midst of all your doubts. I think you're really going to love Aaron and you're really going to love his new book. So enjoy the podcast and enjoy his book. Uh, well, hey folks, welcome to This Good Word. My name is Steve Weens. I'm the host and I'm here with Aaron Nequist. Hi, Aaron. Hello. Hey, this is your second time on the podcast. Last time we talked yeah. uh, was maybe a year or a year and a half ago, and it doesn't seem yep. like that long, but I checked, and it really was. It really was <laughs> yeah, that long ago. Wow. It's uh, good to be back. Oh, man. I'm so excited that uh, we get to talk about your brand new book and many, many other things. But uh, you cool. just released this book called The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. And um, I've been... I have followed the journey of the practice over the last five years, um, yeah. and then now into sort of you know wherever that will become. Um, but you start the book, and I think a really fascinating and interesting place, and that's back in 2002 when, as a worship leader at a big church, you you sort of said, "I don't even know if I believe any of this," <laughs> yes. which I'm always su I, like I love those stories because yeah, uh, those of us who have led, we've all been there, or most of us have been there. If we're if we're honest, so mm -hmm. uh, would you mind just starting us where you start the book and, and tell yeah. that story? Oh well, yeah, we'll just cannonball right in. Yeah, right? man, diving right in. Um, well, I'll say this. It is it is quite awkward to be paid as your job to lead songs you don't believe anymore. <laughs> and that is yeah. so complicated. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I found myself maybe two, two or three years out of college, Christian college, Christian upbringing, the whole deal and Christian job. And it just fell apart. And it's crazy. It wasn't like some scandal. It wasn't some, some idea that just made me, you know, it just ran out of gas. Yeah. It just, it, it and I remember thinking like, wow, maybe, maybe Christianity was a good first 20 years thing for me. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll just kind of move on to something else. It just, it just ran out of, I think in the book I mentioned, it was like an air conditioner that could only blow warm air, you know, it wasn't bad. It's just, why have it on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah, very complicated. 
And so, I mean, what, like, literally, Aaron, what did you do in that moment? Because, I mean, I imagine you didn't just, like, rip out your in-ears and walk off the stage, right? <laughs> so what helped you yeah. move to a different place? Well, a couple things. Um, do you on the podcast talk a lot of Enneagram? Oh, yeah. We're big-time nerds. Okay, big-time yeah, yeah. Enneagram nerds. I'm so a three, I, just so you You're know. three. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I'm a four. Beautiful. And so... You know, that helped me in two ways with this. One, as a four, I was a, I, I was used to my emotions fluctuating, you know? Yeah. So there had been plenty of times where I, you know, was feeling ornery or scared or depressed or whatever that I'd still get up there and say, but I'm going to serve this community. So, you know, I was, I was, I knew about that, but this was deeper and this was more seismic. This was the shaking the foundations. And so the other thing that the fourness helped me is, I can't fake it. Yep. I just, I can't pretend, especially in a spiritual context, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so for a while, I would only try to choose the songs from the small list that I still could sing. <laughs> uh, so I, I did it that for a while. And then I remember finally, I pulled my boss aside mm -hmm. and wonderful man. And I just said, listen, I am struggling too much with my faith. I don't know if I can lead this next thing. Mm -hmm. And he'd been walking with me. And so he says, you know what? Let's talk to so-and-so. He said, I'll step in. Why don't you take this one off? And it was one of those just, what a gift. Yeah. The grace to say, you're not now a heretic. You're not like <laughs> dead to us. <laughs> yeah. But we understand you can't jump into this right now. What a beautiful response. Because it could have been yep. any number of things. Could have been any version of, well, Hey, you know, this is your job. So you gotta, you gotta yeah, be professional and make it happen. Yep. Uh, yep. you know, could have been, Oh my gosh, like overreaction. Yeah. What's wrong? You... Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yep. what a gift to have that space. Yeah. And do you think Aaron, like, I mean, I'm imagining people listening and maybe, you know, they say something like, Oh man, I mean, you, you, you had me at, I stopped believing. I just, <laughs> I, I, I just haven't figured yeah. out a way to move yeah. beyond that. Talk yeah. about how, talk about how space and time and conversation, maybe spiritual direction, maybe getting outside of your faith tradition. Yeah. Talk about what are some things that help First of all, give yourself permission to not feel like a terrible person for losing your faith. Yeah, it's you know, such a good. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, so like riff, riff, like whatever, whatever advice that yeah. you have. Well, I have some advice from that exact era, and then maybe some advice from this era because okay. the truth is, and you would probably yeah. affirm this. I don't think we just have one dark night of the soul. So you know right. what I mean? Yes. And so, you know, I can tell, you know, this real deconstruction maybe lasted a year or so, which is a long time to be in the dark. But um, some some good stuff came out of that. But it wasn't the last time. And so that is just a one of those not fun truths to yeah. talk about, at least for me. No, at for me too. For me. No, I totally resonate 100, yeah. 100%. So I think at that time, the most – the the most important thing I could do was admit it. Yeah. And I had, you know, I'd grown up in Christian circles my whole life. And now I was standing on stages representing Christianity and all this. And the most like revolutionary rebellious act I could do was just admit that I had these doubts. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, of course some people freaked out, but there were enough people like this, my, my boss, my parents, actually they're very conservative Christians, but they loved me through this. They weren't freaked out. Um, had a couple friends who would just walk with me. And so I think step one for me at least was admit it. It's like the 12 steps, right? Yeah. It, it name reality. And that did a couple things. First, it relieved some of the um, tension that had been building inside of me. Like I thought like a volcano, like I thought I'm just one day at a church service, just going to flip over the piano and, you know, I'm I'm going to explode. (laughs) But in my, my boss's office to able to just admit it, I felt some of that. Um, it didn't relieve the questions, but it relieved some of that tension of I'm faking. This is terrible. I got to tell, you know, mm-hmm. so number one, name it. Yeah. And then I would say number two would be find people who don't think you're crazy. Yeah. And there will be plenty, uh, who think you're crazy. I mean, there are plenty who think you're crazy if you believe. So, I mean, there's yeah. always, <laughs> there's yeah. always people who think you're crazy, but to find people who can either say, Oh, me too. Or even better, I've been there. You know, let me walk with you the way a couple people walked with me. Yeah. So, yeah, name it and then find a safe person or two. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think um, especially for those of us that that work or have worked in a kind of ministry setting where like it or not, there, there, there are times when we have to draw from something that maybe doesn't yeah. feel as authentic as we would like it to be, um, to be able to have these safe spaces where we can kind of just yep. say it as it is, be with God with what really is, yep. uh, with which, yeah, that's so good. I think that's yeah. so good and, and life-saving. I mean, yes, uh, life-saving. So What's that great quote? Dallas Willard says, I have a really good definition of humility. And he says, reality. Wow. Isn't wow. that profound? That guy. Man. So like, yeah. So humility is not, oh, I'm terrible or, um, no. you know, oh, don't, don't look at me or it's, it's reality. Yeah. It's naming what actually it is. My wife and I talk a lot about learning how to consent to reality. Yeah. And, um, I think that's the beginning of any good movement is consenting to what actually is. That's so good, Aaron. Now, as a four, I'm, I'm just curious about this. Like, yeah, because I'm I'm a three wing four, pretty strong. Okay. Four yeah. wing. Yeah. yeah. As a four, is it both extraordinarily relieving to name reality, but also really, really different or, or really, really difficult? Right. Because it's like yeah. I, I want to be. Um, like the only person in the world to come up with this cool new idea, you know, right? Um, and and, yeah, and I, awesome. like I like I I feel like in doing so I will be naming yeah. reality, but then I have to go through a whole other naming of reality, which <laughs> means like, okay, I'm not special because I can have <laughs> one original thought, you know what I mean? So yeah, like, that's right. That's right. like as an artist, as a yeah, uh, as a I, four, how, how does that work for you? Yeah, I think the naming reality um, feels to be like my sweet spot as a four. Now, I'm not always right about it. Yeah, like, yeah. of course, yeah. I see reality completely wrong, wrongly many times. But just naming it is something that I really love. And uh, I think the thing that's really hard for me is, like I mentioned, 
consenting to reality. Yes. It's one thing for me to name this is how it is. But then the there's another part of me that says, and I'm going to be the one to change it or yeah. fix it. Yeah. You know, so naming, that's great. That's all fun. Mm-hmm. But then have to say, and it might stay like that for a while. Gosh. In fact, it might always be like that, you know, and not in every situation, but consenting. That's yeah. where I am just kicking and screaming. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good <laughs> clarification. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to remember that, that Dallas Willard humility is reality. I love that. That is so, so good. Yeah. Um, okay. Your book, uh, the eternal current. Why yeah. did you pick the metaphor of a river of a current? Yeah. Um, great question. Um, we, you know, as a part of this community for the last five years called the practice, and we were focused on learning the practices that help us not just believe things about Jesus, Mm -hmm. but help us become the kinds of people who can put his words into practice. Okay. So we were, you know, we would do the examine, we would do, uh, Lexio Divino, we do sending prayer, we do all these different practices. And I remember some of the realization of these spiritual practices are so powerful, but separated from the big story, they can get a little bit weird, Mm -hmm, you know, like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm going to impress God this week with Mm -hmm. my great practice of this. Or, you know, when you look at the scriptures, who is Jesus most harsh with Mm -hmm. those who were, you know, overly fixated on the practices. So, um, I don't remember the exact moment, but we were working on this idea of let's begin instead of with the concrete specifics, let's begin with the big story and let's begin with the big story every Sunday. So we'll always come back to the big story. And so we just started saying there is this great river flowing throughout all of human humanity and human history towards the redemption and the restoration of all things. And we said, Jesus called it the kingdom of God. We talk a little about the kingdom of God, but then I would always stop and say, but Jesus didn't just say, believe about this river. Jesus said, join me in the water and learn how to swim. And so then once we set up this big invitation of this current that's always flowing, we don't make the river flow. We don't pray hard enough and and God says, okay, the river can flow today for you. The river is always flowing. But we're invited through these practices and through this kind of deep humility and openness to get swept up in the current. And so that became the framework for everything we did. So we said, all right, so tonight we're going to learn how to swim through this practice of centering prayer. And then we'd work on that. But it it was never about the practice. It was about the river. It was about what God is doing in all of the world through this river. And then just the practice became our small way to learn how to swim with it. Does that does that resonate? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I, Aaron, I was just, my family and I just went to Colorado. I went to Vail, Colorado. And oh, we spent, wow. yes. spent time hiking. And, um, and, this, and this one day we ended up by this river. Okay. And so the kids started, you know, jumping all over the rocks. I mean, I had boys. And so they were just all over the, Love. well, the girls were too. I mean, they were all over yeah. the place. But how old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is 11. Okay. And then I have twins that are nine. So. Oh 1199. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
Okay, there we go. <laughs> so like <laughs> the first two years of the twins' life, oh, we I don't even remember. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, like we, yeah. like like if you say, okay, from 2009, 2011, these major <laughs> world events happened. I would say like, yeah, I remember Probably. that. Probably. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, maybe. Um, That's amazing. No, but so Sorry I, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's all, so, so I was sitting by this river and... And the, and the paradox of a river sort of um, flew at me. Like, here's the river. If you say, I'll meet you at the Big Stone by such and such river, I know what you're talking about. I will meet you there and we'll find yep. each other. Yeah. But at the same time, because the river is always flowing, right? It's never the same river. So it's always the same yeah. river, but it's never the same river. Oh, that's good. Right? Yeah. And right. so as I was reading your book and these practices... There's a way in which, you know, we are, we're going to, we're going to play in the river. We're going to get into the river. We're going to follow the story and we're even going to do these practices over and over and over again, uh, Eucharist and examine and Lectio. But we also sort of are hoping that as we do that, um, the river, you know, changes and reveals different things about each other and God and. And so I was very captivated by, by your choice because it's, it's, um, it's not static. It's dynamic. Yep. Uh, it's going somewhere, uh, which is very fascinating to me as it relates to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, that's a great insight. I had not heard that before. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, but like, talk to me about your own experience with certain practices, like, examine and lectio and especially eucharist i'd really like to yeah because that's become a big thing for you know for me as well in my own journey but uh, talk about how the different practices have influenced you and even your boys and and your community oh man such a big there's like 10 things i want i know (laughs) i always ask seven (laughs) questions in one so let me start with this one and then you please pull out the other the other six questions um I, I've been meeting with a spiritual director, a Jesuit priest, for the last four, four and a half years. And, you know, growing up in evangelicalism, <laughs> yeah. we didn't even think Catholics were going to be in heaven. Oh, yeah. so, no. the, the, the fact that I wound up at that Jesuit retreat house, and I was so nervous walking in, and I didn't know, you know, are they going to make me sit and stand at the right times? Mm. Am I going to have to pray to Mary? Like, I just had all yeah, these right. thoughts of, and I mean... You know, as you know, I I, I ended up uh, having this this uh, spiritual direction relationship with Father Michael for the last four years, and it has changed my life. Mm-hmm. And um, one one day we were meeting, and I said I kind of turned the table, and I said, Father Michael, what do you do in your personal times of prayer? Like, yeah, can you pull back the curtain a little bit? Help me know what you do, and he. And he just said, you know, Aaron, if I don't vary up my prayer practice, I get really bored in prayer. So there are a few things I do every morning, but in a lot of ways, I will vary it up each morning. And that was so profound to me for two reasons. One, that a godly man, a godly person would admit <laughs> to getting bored. He got bored. Me too. Like (laughs) even you, Father Michael. I mean, that's like, you know, so that was such an encouragement that even he, because I do too. But then the second thing I realized is he could vary up his prayer practice because he had this really deep, robust toolbox 
of all these different prayers and practices. And it made me look at my toolbox and realize I only have a single tool Mm. and it's called a morning quiet time. (laughs) And Mm. to be like, I mean, uh, you obviously know I'm what laughing. a quiet time I'm, I'm is. Yeah, totally course, laughing. yeah. You, you know, you read about 15 minutes of yeah. the scriptures and then you spend some time praying or journaling about that. And it is a fantastic practice. Mm-hmm. I still do it. Mm-hmm. It is uh, helpful. And, but you know that saying, um, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's been my spiritual life. So no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what questions I have, no matter what I'm celebrating, no matter... I only have this one practice and it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And so Father Michael, you know, he has the prayer practices from, you know, the Jesuit prayer practices of the examine of imaginative prayer. He has, you know, Lectio Divina. He um, uh, uh, follows the lectionary. He has all these different tools. And I just remember sitting there um, kind of in awe and and then kind of this longing. And I remember just saying, Hey, would you teach me like all of those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> would you help me with my toolbox? Not to replace the one tool I have. It's a great tool, but to but to expand, to deepen, to have more more different practices. So Yeah, I think that's one of these Eureka moments where you sort of realize like my tradition, so helpful and so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, you can't stop there. You know, you like, you, you, you have yes. to keep expanding yes. and expanding isn't yes. bad or wrong. It's normal. Yep. It's normal. Yep. Um, I love it. I love it. And I love that you found a spiritual director and I love that it was Catholic. I mean, I grew up, it was yeah. like, first of one, like every single Catholic smoked a hundred percent of Catholics <laughs> smoked, <laughs> and, which, amazing. which was the word, like you could oh, not mean, be. How Christian could you smoke. get worse than that? No. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they weren't, yeah. they weren't Christians, yep. which yep. now it, that, that's just so ridiculous to me. But Almost unthinkable. No, but it, it is yeah. unthinkable. It's crazy. Um, okay. Yeah. So you, Aaron, you and a team of people, uh, and by the way, hello to Kelly Fabian. I know Kelly. From oh, she, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Kelly was in Gosh, my TC. I was in TC six. Okay, so I got to know yeah. Kelly um, in my transforming center uh, uh, number six. Won. Yep, and, I know and she's, she's just finished the book. I know, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Coming out this fall, I think. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have her on on the podcast as well. It's, oh, beautiful! Um, I got the galleys, and it looks. I mean, it's a big, but it's a it's a it's, it's an expansive book. Oh, it's an expansive yeah. book. Yeah, it's a resource. So. Yeah, it's gonna be beautiful. So, hi, Kelly. Um, <laughs> So you and a team of people started this um, this community called the Practice at Willow Sunday nights in the chapel, yeah. And you, you wanted to do more than Sunday nights and and practice based and short talks, you know, which I'm sure yep. was like hilarious for certain people to kind of understand. <laughs> Eucharist every week. Eucharist is is, is the yep. center point. Um, yep. Like, what was maybe the I don't know if this is the right question, but what was a satisfying um, memory that you have from then? Yeah. And then maybe what was something that feels like, dang, that that didn't go the way I thought it would go? Yeah. Um, Great question. Well, I have a lot of stories about both. Um, Let me start with one of the one of the dang that didn't work um, because it ended up just being so instructive. Yeah. Um, when we started at the practice, we said we're going to do a new practice every Sunday. Oh wow! 
So we just jump in. All right, this tonight we're going to learn, you know, this prayer of forgiveness. And so then we, you know, we, we study about it and then we practice it together in the room and then we receive communion and we say, all right, practice this all week. And then we come back. All right, tonight we're going to learn something totally different as if you could learn (laughs) and internalize the practice of forgiveness in six and a half days. It was so, we were so earnest and there's so many practices to explore and, and we just realized, I mean, you could spend the next two years only exploring the practice of forgiveness yeah. and never even get to the bottom of it and what how it changes. So we decided after realizing that's just whiplash, um, that fall we said, you know, a month isn't enough time, but let's set aside a month per practice. And so we did a month on silence and stillness. And then we did a month on Sabbath. And then we did a month, you know, and we, we went that way. And that ended up being a lot more helpful because then you can explore it from a couple different angles. We usually do first week would be the big picture. Week two would be real teaching about it. So it's like week one is the vision for why this practice is necessary. Week two would be te- biblical teaching about where it came from and what it is. And then week three would always be the the deepest dive into how to practice it on our own. So, mm. so yeah, that was probably a big um, one of the many <laughs> things that we tried that didn't work. Um, I would say probably one of the most resonant moments. We had a kind of debrief, you know, look back on the whole uh, practice community. And we had an open mic and just where did God really touch you during this journey? And what we heard more than anything was people, people would stand up and say those six weeks that we focused on biblical lament Hmm. was the most transformative. And then they'd sit down and then someone would share something and someone else would say, those six weeks on lament were the most. And it really surprised me. Like who, <laughs> who says, hey, what was best? Oh, lament. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's, but what we realized is as a group of people who had either been only in kind of white suburban evangelicalism or had been largely a part of our tradition, um, no one had ever taught us what to do with our sorrow or with our disappointment or with our, our anger or, you know, one third of the Psalms mm-hmm. are limits, one third. And if you look at the top 100 songs in CCLI worship songs, mm-hmm. what percentage of those are limits? I mean, Z- zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, it's, there's not a, it's not going to be one third. Right. And so we just realized um, our people, including us on our team, we, we sat around before this whole journey and said, have you, were you ever taught how to lament? Were you ever taught? We realized no one's ever, no one showed us how. And so we spent, uh, we spent the six weeks of Lent learning how to lament. And it was heavy. It was difficult. It wasn't always fun. But it was so transforma- transformative. To me, uh, that's both so encouraging and it makes so much sense though. I mean, it's like, it's not like in the past there was less to lament, but I do think there, there's, there's something right now that's so visceral about the world is not as it should be. And it's, it's, 
and I'm not going to say it's, it's less or more than in the past. Who knows? Who knows? But, but people are coming to an awareness of it. Yeah, that's good. And it really feels like our two choices are either let the, the, the anger and the disappointment burn us up because mm-hmm. you can't stay perpetually outraged right? or try to sp- split from it or pretend or bury it or, and that as well, we know if you bury something for long enough, it is going to come yeah, out. It's so. coming back up for sure. Which is, I think, the, just the genius of how um, God invites us into these practices of lament or forgiveness yeah. or letting go or whatever it is. I yeah. love it, man. Well, that's fascinating. I, I think that's yeah. really... We were surprised. It, yeah. 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 So as Aaron, I think, I, and I, I mean, I see you on social media. I, I, I think you're you're doing quite a bit of traveling around and leading worship at churches that uh, are um, more liturgical, they follow the seasons. What are you finding as you travel around and talk to different pastors and talk to different people? What are you finding as far as hunger for these kinds of things? Oh, man, I would say it is off the charts yeah. right now. Yeah. There is such a sense of what we're doing together is not working. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty universal. What's fascinating is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in Atlanta at a church that's a very kind of evangelical, seeker-oriented, outward-looking church. And the person I was just talking to said, we love our church. We love what God's doing through it. And we're all fried. Yeah, We're exhausted. We yeah. cannot keep going. Or then I talk to my, you know, Episcopalian friends Mm -hmm. and they're like, we can't get anyone to come. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we, we're looking for new life, Mm -hmm. for energy, for, you know, and, and every, everywhere in between. And so I feel like we're, you know, probably every, doesn't every generation think they're at a turning (laughs) point or something. So maybe some of it's hubris, but it sure feels like there is something ending and there is something trying to get born. And, um, I do, I think it's bigger than just worship style. For sure. You know, there's a lot of talking about, well, add a little liturgy to no, your no, service no. or something like that. And maybe that's helpful to some level, but I think it is more seismic. I think it's more foundational. I think, uh, but yeah, it's almost universal. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. And I, I, I also, you know, there's a warning to not think you're the exceptional, <laughs> you're the exceptional generation, yep, yep. <laughs> but you know, as, as you read Phyllis Tickle, the great emergence and, yeah. and many, many right. others, I mean, it's seen, and as you look at the post-Christian culture in Europe and, and how that's really yeah. uh, so quickly coming to the U S yep. um, and in my reading um, the universal Christian experience is birth, death, resurrection. I mean, that's the pattern. That's that's yep. where it goes, right? So yep. Yep. I, I'm not all that shocked that we might be in a time of death in terms of how we've done church for um, yep. a really long time. But what I'm fascinated about is like, if the Reformation was fueled in part by the printing press, um, the internet has brought everybody together as if we live in kind of a small village again, you know, yeah. cause we can yeah, yeah, read yeah. everybody, we can hear everybody's right. opinions, but we don't have the maturity to give each other grace. And, and, yeah. and, and, and so, you know, we have this fear, um, we have this fear response. So, um, and that's driving everybody away from each other division. 
How does a practice like the examine, for example, first of all, could you, I mean, we, I've, I've talked about it a bit from time to time, but I, I, I don't yeah. want to assume that anybody knows what the examine is, but, but talk yeah. about how the examine might help someone leave the shores of fear and move toward the other with grace and peace. And, um, oh, yeah, that is, yeah. What a wonderful question. Um, well, can I tell you about one other practice first and, oh, then, sure. yeah. and then tell you about the examine? Cause the examine is probably the central practice of my life in the last couple of years. Wow. Okay. But you, the way you framed it, um, I wanted to tell you about uh, maybe two years ago or when, whenever the election season was, I, that feels like about 25 <laughs> I think it was years, 10 years ago. ago. <laughs> I don't think it was two years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was just getting so nasty yeah. and so di divisive. And so we thought at the practice, well, that's not the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so what are the practices that we can do every week? to form us into both sided people. Mm -hmm. Again, you can vote for one, you can sure. you can have your opinions, but not this, uh, yeah. And so we said, you know, every, every um, part of our liturgy is we always have a confession mm -hmm. and we always have uh, an assurance where we are reminded that God's grace covers anything we could confess. And we said for this season, let's add a third component. So we'll always do a confession of our sin, we'll always have an assurance, and then we'll always take some time to pray for one of our enemies. Whoa. And we'd guide it. It'd be a little different each time. Some week it would be, let's choose a kind of international enemy, you know, so maybe it's you know, Putin or some, some, you know, some known international enemy. But other weeks it'd be very serious. It'd be very personal. Mm -hmm. um, is there someone that if you are honest, mm -hmm has become like an enemy to you. Yeah. And we'd say, don't pray that God punishes them. <laughs> don't pray that God would <laughs> Crash change their babies them. against the rocks. <laughs> pray that God would bless them. Wow. Pray for their families. Mm -hmm. Pray for their marriages. Pray, you know, and it was terrible. I mean, we yeah. hated doing that. Right, right. <laughs> but we kept it up for an entire year. We wow. just, we are like, why would we stop this practice? And, you know, 52 times, if you name your enemy in God's presence and then pray that God would not just change them or punish them, but bless them, yeah. that transforms your heart. And it did ours. Mm -hmm. So it didn't eliminate all our enemies. It didn't, you know, solve everything. But we saw the benefit of just that weekly choice mm -hmm. to say, Jesus, I will follow your way again, again, I again. So, yeah. Um, and then the, the examine is it's, it's, it's really simple. It's, um, St. Ignatius said that each, each Christian should stop once a day for just 15 minutes a day and look back over the last 24 hours and notice God's fingerprints. And his insight was we, most of us live at like Mach, Mach 5, and we're just moving so fast and we have this experience, then the next experience, but we rarely look back and say, what was God doing in me during mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. What happened during that? And so, um, the, the examine is commonly just taught in five steps, uh, very briefly. The first one is, um, to invite the Holy spirit to lead. So it's not me figuring out my last day but it's a conversation we open with God. Number two is to review the day in Thanksgiving. 
And as an Enneagram four who tends to be a recovering cynic and can always see what's wrong and everything to have to begin with what is right has been utterly transform transformational for me. Um, because the reality is goodness is actually what is most true about mm. the universe. Yeah. At the foundation is abundance. And so we have to start at what's most true, but then we absolutely bring what's broken and the, the second. So step three is as we're reviewing the day in Thanksgiving, we notice different emotions that pop. You know, so I was, I was having this conversation with my wife this morning at breakfast and she said something and it just made me feel like all's gonna be well in the world. Hmm. That what was that feeling about? Why you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was driving to work, and I was thinking about a conversation with my boss, and I started getting so upset and angry. Mm -hmm. What was that about? Mm -hmm. Just notice, not judge. It's not uh -huh. good or bad. Uh -huh. Notice. And then step four is choose one or two of those emotions, and just hold them before God, pray about them, and then listen. And the listening is where um, God can do and say some. I mean, it's just, there have been times where those moments have been so holy. And frankly, there have been those times where it was just like crickets. And I don't know why one was different than the other. But then step five is look forward to the future and hope. What did I learn today? What is God doing in me today that I can bring forward into the future? It's just been utterly transformational. How many wow. times have I used the word transformational in this conversation? <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I, I actually, I really do mean it. Yeah. But I probably should should open up a thesaurus and who cares? Some other reasons. But I love it. What else is God doing if not transforming us? Right. Um, well, what I like about the examine, and especially how you just so beautifully and easily described it, is it's not a like here's five new things to learn about God. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And it's also not here's, you know, five ways to feel terrible about myself through introspection, right? It's <laughs> it's actually a participatory, risky uh, conversation with God through the spirit yes. where you yes. wonder like, okay, Lord, like what, you, what would you like me to see? And what would you like me to hear? Right. And yeah, that I, I, well, I, yeah. That is so well said it. You know, I think in my old view of things, you know, especially with a quiet time, mm -hmm. the quiet time was the one place I was spending time with God. Mm -hmm. And then I was going out into the world almost without God, you know, <laughs> yeah. and the, the examine reminds me that we are always yeah. in and with God. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that's missing is our awareness, right. you know, and so the examine reminds me of, wow, God was in that conversation with my wife. God was with me in the car as I was having a little meltdown on driving to work. <laughs> like God is always working. Yeah. The question is, do we have eyes and ears and practices that help us notice that work? Gosh, Aaron, that was so beautiful. Um, I can't, I'm looking at the clock and I can't believe we are, we are out of time. We, we are out of time. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to tell folks that are listening, I will include those five movements of the examine on the show oh, notes. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll also include a link to buy your book, the eternal current, 
how a practice-based faith can save us from drowning. Again, that's Aaron Nequist. Uh, Aaron, I'll put your website and, and Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Is there any other way that uh, that people could get in touch with you if they wanted to? Yeah, no, just the normal ways. The mm -hmm. website has kind of all the things that I'm working on. But one thing that they'll find if they go to the website is we have this A New Liturgy project where we've actually recorded a number of these practices and one is the examine. So if, if that's, if you're looking for a, a really concrete way to help you practice that, that's, uh, that's part of that. Fantastic. I will yeah. definitely put the link to your website, but I'll also put a different link just to, uh, oh, just, just to that, just to that yeah, project. Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard some of those and they, I, I agree. They, well, maybe I've heard some, maybe I've heard the old, some of the old stuff that you used to do, but uh, yeah. is that what you're talking about? Is this a new project entirely? Well, it's been going for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's probably, it's probably what you heard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Thanks, uh, man. Beautiful. Well, Aaron, thank you so much, man. You are encouraging. Um, there was more I wanted to ask you about the unforced rhythms of grace and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we will save that for a different time. Um, so let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, and that'd be um, fun. let's do it over some coffee at that'd be good. some point. It'd be fun to just really dive into all this. That'd be yeah. good. Thank you so much, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, and I really appreciate the work you're doing in the world. It's good. Thanks, man. All right. Grace and peace, everybody. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to this good word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash this good word. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.